Don't throw stones, especially when you live in a glass house. Okay? Get your license. Okay? Uh, and, and you're for top rum dreadlocks. We have to do this thing here. Rastafari. Yeah, it's time dreadlocks. You have a fight. You have to stop rum dreadlocks. You can't run no more. Oh, sorry, that was my mother's tongue. Uh, uh, it's time to actually enter the, the cauldron. It's time. All oh, praise be to my children. I love you. Oh, oh God, amen. Oh, what? Is this your shortest fight ever? In any time, amateur, professional ever? Assalamu alaikum, Ida. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, Lennox Lewis, Lennox, I'm coming for you. Like, is it frustrating to train like you did and then have this no, seven or eight seconds? I this fight. I only trained probably two weeks or three weeks for this fight. I had to bury my best friend, and I dedicated this fight. I was going to fight. I dedicated this fight to him. I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal, the most vicious, and most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lennox is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody who Welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where, like this Conor Ben saga, is, it's almost a gift that keeps on giving if you do boxing content because it doesn't seem that it's going anywhere anytime soon. And I think I said this in one of the earlier episodes I did on Conor Ben that there was a bigger game that was happening here, and that was a game that said. The promoters want to show the board who's really in charge of British boxing. And if the board fold when faced with a crisis like this, then we don't have a British boxing board of control. And what, you, what you'll see is if the board capitulate, you'll see people just start looking outside of the board. Yeah? So things like drug testing will become optional and all this sort of stuff. It's a potential mess for boxing. And it may mean that we do need an external... Maybe a government-appointed regulator to oversee what happens in boxing. So let's just recap where we are today. Right. Between Matchroom and Wasserman, Eddie Hearn, Callisau, and whoever you want to sort of attach names to, there's an expectation that Eubank versus Ben will happen February 3rd at White Hart Lane. Okay. Um, is, that, is it still called White Hart Lane? I don't know. So that's the expectation. The expectation is that this fight is going to happen um, in Britain, on pay-per-view, don't know which platform, but on pay-per-view. Now, the problem with that is, if we go back to the story, there's still an appeal that needs to happen. So, while the fight can be signed, it can be agreed, it can be promoted, it can be hyped, it won't be sanctioned by the British Boxing Board of Control. That means you cannot have board officials there. And I think if, if my rules and understanding are correct, you can't have anybody affiliated with the board at this event because it's it's effectively unsanctioned right and politically that's not good for your standing with the board so it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get there but all the main runners and riders have been out in the media stating their case and you know as a result of that we're 
we're none the wiser. Let's not, let's not pretend otherwise. We are none the wiser. But for a change, give Robert Smith credit because Robert Smith came out almost ahead of the story and stated the board's position. I think he was, you know, he was unequivocal in his view on, on where we are right now. Um, uh, to begin with, uh, the board feel um, any athlete, not just a boxer, but any athlete who um, has failed a drug test needs to go through an investigation and that with the proper authorities and that hasn't happened. Um, and we're waiting for that to happen. And the Boxing Board and UCAD have been pushing for that to happen right from the beginning of this. Um, and unfortunately, it's been delayed, um, not through the Boxing Board of Control or UCAD, but through other parties. Um, with regard to Mr. Ben boxing this country, we have had an application for him to box in this country that has been refused. Right. So what's all this noise about then, Robert? I mean, are you like us standing back somewhat baffled this morning that they think all roads lead to the ring on February the 3rd? Well, obviously, you know, they, they can put out what they want ultimately, but uh, they've got to go through the proper authorities and we haven't been through the proper authorities. And we're, as I said before, we're really, really keen to get this done right from the beginning um, through um, procedures that we can't, which I can't really discuss um, however, as I say, we want it done. Um, right, for, uh, want it done to get it cleared up. This is not a good look for boxing, as you can imagine. And uh, as as working for the Boxing Board of Control, it's my job to try to get it dealt with as soon as possible. And that's. Mm. So, so we've still got this appeal to be to be heard. And the problem with these sorts of appeals is, it's not just a boxing appeal. So it's a UK sports appeal. So we don't know what they've got in their backlog. We don't know how many athletes are also appealing. Also, how many athletes are actually going through their first hearing, right? Because it's the same pool of people who adjudicate all of these things. So there's availability. You're not going to get anyone in December for a start because it's Christmas and no one really wants to be burning themselves out preparing. So then you're looking, you, you can write off December, you can write off the early part of Jan. The queue will probably kick in mid-Jan onwards. So when do you get your hearing? Are you first in the queue? Are you 20th in the queue? They may get a date that says, right, you can, we can hear your case on March 15th, for example. That's not in Matchroom's control. That's not in Wasserman's control. That's not in the board's control. That's not in UCAT's control. That is just about availability and scheduling because they can't prioritize Conor Ben because, oh, he's a pay-per-view fighter. They don't care. They're just saying, look, who's available when? When can the hearing happen? So the board are right. That is out of their control. And if everyone's correct, it's out of their control. So the frustration with the board doesn't make sense because what the board is saying is once we've gone through that appeal and we've stated our case for appealing, if they then find for Conor Ben, cool, we'll draw a line under it, he can move on. But until then, quite rightly, the board is saying we're sticking to our guns. Like This is a process we have to go through. There's an appeal process for a reason. And... If we don't respect that, then we're not respecting the process. Now, compare that with what you've heard everywhere else, where Robert Smith has stuck to what he's allowed to say. And I don't know if you saw the Talk Sport um, interview where he was clearly reading from a statement. So he was very targeted in what he was saying and what he wasn't saying. So this all seems to hinge on when this appeal is meant to happen. And it's not up to the board to decide when the appeal happens. And I don't think anyone's notified Eddie Hearn of that because, you know, he had a completely different response.
Obviously, I'll comment on your last part of that, which is unquestionable that Conor Ben has been treated differently to other fighters. You know, I mean, there's a very high-profile fighter that, that got treated completely differently. So why is Conor Ben, what is it about Conor Ben that's being treated differently to others? Don't know. That's one for the board. Very disappointed to see Robert Smith come on TalkSport and give his explanation without actually speaking to us. Again, choosing to go through the media. Uh, his comments actually were completely inaccurate, and that will be dealt with to Day by Connor and his legal team and you, there'll be further news on that. For us the focus is on making the fight and until the fight is made really I say there's no point discussing how it's going to play out but it might be irrelevant if we don't get this fight signed. So all of our focus is on February the 3rd at Spurs Eubank against Ben. When or if we get it signed, then we will deal with the situation. We believe Connor Ben is clear to fight legally. Again We'll go through all of Robert's comments, but to say that he hasn't gone through the applicable chat, I mean, this is just... That's what I want to I mean, comp That'll be dealt with in a big way, because that is absolute rubbish. He's gone through the through his hearing with the WBC, okay, which is the, the body that controlled the testing. He got completely cleared of any wrongdoing and reinstated in the rankings. Then he chose to go through the UCAD ruling as well because he felt like it was the thing to do and got his suspension lifted and won the case. So again, that will be dealt with today and you'll, you'll have further news on that. And when we make the fight, we will decide what we're going to do, but we have to make it first. Any chance? <laughs> right. Let's just go back to, to what this is really about. Conobin failed two drug tests. At no point has someone said he didn't fail two drug tests. It's accepted he failed two drug tests. But UCAD seemingly cleared him to box because they said, listen, when it comes to the test you want to refer to, he wasn't licensed by you, so he's not covered by your, by your jurisdiction. And we can get into all of the details about the hows, the where's, the why's, but the reality is they're trying to weasel out on a technicality. As I've said before, they're not going to use the egg thing, um, all this sort of stuff. Like, like basically, the Conor Ben defense is a mess. They're just reaching for anything right now. It's almost like a, like a messy divorce. But we're still at the point where he's failed two drug tests. And what the board is saying is, look, we need to get to the bottom of these two failed drug tests. Forget jurisdiction, forget anything. We need to know if this is the guy that we can license. And until we get to the bottom of the two failed drug tests, forget who they were taken by, forget if it was a WBC, forget anything else, you failed two drug tests. It's the same way that if you, if you get convicted for manslaughter and you want to come out and box, you got to go and see the board. And chances are the board won't give you a license, right? Because they're like, you're not of sound character. Whatever their justification is, they have a right to do that. They grant licenses. They don't have to grant you a license. So they don't have to give Conor Ben a license. This idea that Conor Ben is cleared to fight, not in the UK, he's not. And he's not cleared to fight under the British Boxing Board of Control because he doesn't have a license. I don't know if he's applied for one, but I imagine if he applied for one, it would be rejected. If they're going to allow him to fight, they're not going to give him a license. So he's not cleared to fight in the United Kingdom in the traditional way. In the way that every other matchroom fighter seemingly has done for the last 15 years or whatever it is. These are just facts. So when Hearn says he's cleared to fight, go and make the fight in America. 
but he knows it's a commercial dud in America. We're not staying up for Eubank versus Ben. Definitely not now after all of this nonsense. We don't care. You know, we're not going to change our day to go and watch this thing in Abu Dhabi. And I don't think the Saudis particularly want someone who failed the drugs test, you know, representing Riyadh season. So, so all that stuff that Hearn says is it's emotional bluster. And it's, it's frustration from a man who's so used to getting his own way. This is the silver, silver spoon side of Eddie Hearn. He's so used to getting his own way that when the ball stand at him, he doesn't know what to do. So he talks about, we're going to make this fight regardless. Where are you going to get your officials from? Where are you going to get your undercard from? Because the board won't allow British Boxing Board license holders to do this. And maybe Hearn just does it where he goes, right, we're going to do it unlicensed. Ben versus Eubank. Go on, you lot swing it out. But this feeds into something, and I want to touch on this later, about what power do boxing fans really have here? Because this is a chance for boxing fans to make a stand. And it doesn't feel like that's where the energy's going. It just feels like everybody's trying to find a way to make it happen. Everyone's trying to find a way to to avoid the the real foundation of this, which is a boxer failed two drug tests and everyone's acting like they didn't. So Hearn says, you know, people have been treated differently. Well, Amir Khan retired. So in terms of being treated differently, not sure that's applicable. Amir Khan hasn't tried to fight in the United Kingdom since he fought Kell Brook. If Tyson Fury was treated different, okay. I could entertain that. But from when he failed his, his drug test to when he fought again, post-Klitschko, he had done two and a half, three years. So if there was a ban, that's when that, that would have been the applicable time. So everyone has done. And we still haven't answered the question of, you know, certain other fighters we haven't seen for a long time. There, there are a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes that don't get talked about. And they all seem to point back to Eddie Hearn. So this is a mess that between him and the Saudis they have to sort out. But you always wonder how the Saudis sort things out. I mean, uh, I'm not dealing her with this first hand, it's my brother, but, uh, you know, I think the fans want the fight, uh, the fighters need to both want the fight, um, and, you know, take it from there. Hopefully the appeal, you know, hopefully, uh, it does seem to me, and I'm, I, you know, I'm obviously Team Eubank, but it does seem to me that he's not... It's potentially not been heard properly yet. Would you be willing to pro, like, go through the fight if it wasn't under the British Boxing Board of Control? Yeah, look, we, we've, we've promoted in the past with other boards. Um, again, that would be my brother's choice. Um, I would ideally you know, like to have the British Board of Control involved. Um, I think they do a great job. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a fight that the, 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 the fans want. Well, one thing that I think it could affect you is um, the board have always said that they're, they're, they're willing to look, look at places sanctions um, on you know if this fight does go ahead under the in the UK or a different commission, whether it be the PBA or that. Is there a worry for yourself where if this fight does go through that you know um, worries with your license and this and that with potential sanctions? For me, no. Um, again, like I said, I'm not I'm not involved in the fight firsthand. It's uh, it's you know case Kala. Uh, he's dealing with it. Um, I, I, I would not be directly involved. Um, I would definitely go and watch it because it's a great fight.
and don't know about it being a great fight. I think it's it's newsworthy just because of the backstory now. And paradoxically, when this fight was first mooted, we were like, well, how would these two ever overshadow what their parents did, what their fathers did? Well, I guess by failing two drugs tests, they've managed to do that, right? They've made this fight noteworthy in its own in its own spirit, in its own energy. But you can see that there's a concerted effort among what you can call the Silver Spoon crew, you know, um, children of millionaires, to behave like spoiled children and say, we're going to get our way regardless because we control the sport. That, that kind of spirit of entitlement, which is embarrassing, actually, and quite distressing to hear. But... It comes back to the same point. Like, no one's talking about the fact that this kid failed two drugs tests. We're talking about administrative problems, right? But we're not talking about people failing two drugs tests and, oh, he, he was treated differently. Well, yeah, yeah, he's definitely been treated differently to Liam Cameron, hasn't he? Let him get the Liam Cameron treatment. If we want to be fair, it's fair. Let him get that Liam Cameron treatment. Let's see how his career goes from there. Because all this, oh, he's been cleared to fight. If he's been cleared to fight, fight. If he's been cleared to fight, Hearn would have no problem making this fight. It would have been announced by now if he was cleared to fight. He is not cleared to fight. That's why the fight hasn't happened. It's as simple as that. The fight hasn't been made because, as I think, as Team Eubank have said, they want it in the UK. They want it under the board's auspices. That's one of the things I can say has been said behind the scenes. It has to come under the British Boxing Board of Control. There's no, there's no thought of no PBA, Bieber, nothing like that. That's not going to happen. Because if you use the PBA, then we're validating everything the YouTubers said. We're moving into their world as opposed to them moving into ours. You know, that's also worth noting, if I'm being honest. But you see, when you come under this kind of 971 umbrella, when that is your, your iron dome of protection... They have to wheel out their foot soldiers. <laughs> they have to wheel out the, the grunts. Is that what they call them in the army? The grunts? They have to wheel out the grunts to come in and, and shape public opinion. You know, they instead of getting the Silver Spoon crew, the 971 guys just go, right, we need some, some kind of, I don't know, man on the street perspective on this. So you know who you're always going to get in these situations. Anyone can think of what, the, uh, what they want of uh, Dantel's opponent just sizing me up there. Um, he's got his better shape than you, Andy. Um, <laughs> so, no, look, whatever you think of Conor Ben, have your opinion for sure, right? But undoubtedly, he is getting worse treatment than anybody else in the history of failed tests. That's just my opinion of it. So, make a... Like, we should, people have this thing that he should wait until the appeal comes out. How long is that going to take? It, right now, he's cleared to box. So, I don't know, like, make of that what you will. I spoke to Spencer Oliver and Johnny Nelson in the week and you know they've always sort of you know they've always voiced their opinions and I spoke about the proposition of them not the fight not going ahead with the board and them looking at something like the PBA. They asked for they, they called for sanctions to be placed with everyone involved. What do you make of that? And do you feel like sort of that's that could be a fair thing to do? Them them having the the 
board placing sanctions on the likes of obviously Chris Eubank Jr. if they if they proceed with the fight with another commission? I don't know what, how, how they can do that on a, from a legal standpoint, but if they can't, then that's up to the board. It's between the. It's going to be. It looks like it's it's a mess. Let's be honest. The whole thing's a mess. But let's see how it plays out. I'm not. I'm not clued up enough to give you my opinion on that. But all I know is Connor is being treated different to previous failed tests. Uh, like I said, which previous failed test? Definitely not Liam Cameron. Definitely not, um, what's the kid's name? Adam Mackay. Like, a lot of people cop bans in boxing that don't get talked about. The people who don't get those bans, the people who play the system, surprisingly match from people. The Dillian White, Oscar Rivas situation, match room. The Conor Ben situation, match room. Um, those failed tests in America, including Alicia Baumgartner, matchroom. So, so when when Sam Jones talks about people being treated differently, they all have a stain of matchroom to them. Yeah, when matchroom had a similar approach of let's throw legal muscle at it, and the board will capitulate or UCAT will capitulate, and all of a sudden they've shown a backbone. They don't know what to do. So now they're trying to win. In the court of public opinion but public opinion stands on this very simple idea you failed two drugs tests and we haven't seen you punished for failing two drugs tests we don't care about anything else you failed two drugs tests until you can show us you didn't fail them you got a copper ban that's all now all of this he's clear to fight as i said earlier if he's clear to fight make the fight you don't have to worry about anything else make the fight if he's clear to fight the reality is he's not clear to fight yeah, he's not. So, if Hearn wants to test that out, he can do. Because from what I understand, Eubank versus Ben is not for a WBC anything. So, what, what have the WBC got to do with this? I mean, until he tells us he failed the two drugs, says, that shit just held his hands up and said, yep, clomiphene, messed up, hold my hands up. Don't know how it got in my system, but I'm going to cop to it. He'd probably be boxing now, but... When you're advised by idiots, you do idiotic things. You know I, mean? I think that's the best way to describe what's happening right now. And don't rule out the fact that Conor Ben and Eddie Hearn are not aligned on this. Okay? Don't be surprised if they're not aligned on this. Don't be surprised if Conor's disappointed in Hearn because this has all gone wrong. Because as much as Hearn says he's not involved in this, he seems to have stage managed a lot of this process and it's gone wrong. And he's not holding his hands up and saying, you know, I thought the Dillian White playbook would work here. It hasn't. Sorry, Connor. He hasn't done anything like that. That's my worry. That's my concern. Is that you're going to get that. Like, is Connor even in the UK or is he still in Miami training out there? Don't know the answer to that. I just have a feeling Connor thought this would all be over now. And he's disappointed in Hearn because Hearn promised it would all be over. And if anything, it seems to be dragging out. So let's just briefly hop from from one drug scandal to another. Um, you know, we've all kind of in, in this Connor Ben mess, we've all kind of forgotten that we didn't get Joshua White because you know Dillian failed for I can't remember what it was, but I'm guessing it was a, a vasodilator or a bronchial dilator, one of those sorts of things. And you know, let's not forget that. But you know, will we see him again? Too much on his anything he's up to, like that, but I'll say he's good. He's, um, you know, he's in 
as best spirits as he can be and I'm sure him and his team, you guys will hear something in due time whenever that comes, when he sees fit to come out and talk about anything he wants to talk about, you know what I mean? But um, other than that, yeah, we're just dealing with Black Box Global business, baby. <laughs> very interesting how this has all gone very dark. Now, I wish I knew about the the inner workings of the Portuguese Anti-Doping Authority, right? I genuinely wish I did know. Now, they may be more lenient, they may be more militant, I have no idea. But it'll be interesting to see what happens in that scenario. Um, you know, does anyone know, did he box under a Portuguese license? I think that's what they were saying, that he boxed under a Portuguese license and not a British license. So, does that complicate matters? Can he actually just blow that off? And because we're not in the EU anymore, can he just get a British board license and just crack on? And if he did that, then that'd be a problem for Robert Smith because then you're talking about differentiated treatment for people. So Robert Smith would probably have to then say, well, you kind of have to go through the Portuguese process before we can give you a license. Because Dylan can't fight anywhere else. Like, the fact that he wasn't... I find it interesting that certain fighters weren't considered for December 23rd in Riyadh. But think about it. You had Junior Farr who got knocked bandy by like a 99-year-old Lewis, Lewis, uh, Lucas Brown. They called him, they called Mark Damori, a guy who, like, I don't think wins the novices as an amateur in this country. They had him. No call for Dilly, no call for Bacoli. There's a lesson in that, I guess, that, you know, you've got to understand where your place is. And, you know, a couple of, a couple of poor performances can do that to you. But I want to switch gears and I want to talk about something I probably haven't talked about as much as I probably should have done. And it was the Katie Taylor-Chantal Cameron fight. If you heard my my thoughts on it on Porky's channel, probably not much has changed. But one of the things I said at the time was, I don't think Katie Taylor got away with murder. I don't think Chantal Cameron was robbed. Um, was it a knockdown? Maybe it was. But the problems run deeper than that. When you, especially in the modern climate, when you agree to fight somebody for all of the belts, yeah, you know you're going to have to fight them twice. Yeah, Rule number one, you're going to have to fight them twice. And when Chantal Cameron beat Katie Taylor, she behaved as if that was it. She'd never have to do anything again. Maybe if she'd retired then, she'd have been, you know, a hero. But she had to fight her twice. And it doesn't look like her camp had psychologically prepared her for the pressure that comes with beating Katie Taylor and having to then go back and beat Katie Taylor again. Versus Team Katie Taylor who are like, we've had rough fights before. We had to rematch Pursuit. We came back, we were better. We've had controversial decisions before. Some people think I lost against Jonas. Fair enough. But we've overcome those things. K.E. had done the psychological reps time and time again. Chantal Cameron hadn't, and her team hadn't prepared her. Now, maybe you can't prepare Chantal Cameron. Only Travis and Jamie Moore know the answer to that. But the performance you got from Chantal Cameron last Saturday wasn't befitting of someone who dethroned Katie Taylor. I believe if you swap Chantal Cameron for Caroline Dubois that night, Caroline Dubois wins that fight. I believe if you swap Natasha Jonas for Chantal Cameron, Natasha Jonas wins that fight. I think they're mentally stronger. 
it comes back to that point in the first fight when they said Ellie Scott and he couldn't fight because of Shane McGuigan. That's when you knew this wasn't someone who is the most robust psychologically. And I guess that's what Katie Taylor gambled on. If I can just put enough pressure on it, she'll fold. Because truth is, Katie Taylor's Katie Taylor. Throw four punches marching forward, be a bit reckless with the head. When you step back, you might throw some hooks and uppercuts. It all looks good for the crowd. The crowd are going to be screaming and shouting because that's what Irish people do. Um, and for the record, one of the things that's happened definitely in the last few years is my respect for Irish people has gone down progressively. Not everybody. Because there was a good Irish people, good people everywhere. But I remember when I first came to this country, like a lot of my friends were, were from the Republic of Ireland. Their families were from the Republic of Ireland. And so I had this really good impression of Irish people. Like, you know what? Friendly, fair, respectful. They've been through a lot. So they have empathy. And I look at some of the messages I got after what I said about Katie Taylor. And I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these people are racist and they're barely holding it back. And that was sad for me. Because I'd always had a lot of time for Ireland. I was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, because I grew up, like my parents would always tell me the, the Irish struggle. Because when my parents were fighting in that Zimbabwean War of Independence, that was at the same time as the Troubles. So there was a lot of kind of mutual respect. So a lot of Africans have good relationships with Irish folk. So it was quite a surprise to see how vitriolic they could be. But it's their right to do that. I'm not here to tell you how to behave. But now we've got to park you in the same category we park those people from like... Berry, Blackburn, Preston, all the you know those places where they feel no way to make monkey noises. We've got to put a lot of you guys in that category. Because if I'm just talking about someone as a boxer, or if I'm just talking about boxing itself and things get personal, uh, it's a bit worrying. But I come back to this point. Katie Taylor's done amazing things for the sport. I'd like to see her fight Natasha Jonas right out into the, into the sunset. Both of those guys would have served their purpose and paved the way. And I'd be, I think that would be a good thing to do because someone's going to come after Katie Taylor who's hungry and relentless and she's not going to be able to hold them off. Chantal Cameron, she knew, was a bit fragile. You know, she knew she could get at him. It was a bit like the Andy Ruiz thing with Anthony Joshua. Deep down, Joshua knew that Ruiz would burn himself out between the two fights and he knew he could get him. And so, pretty smart on Katie Taylor's part and you got to give her credit because she's come back. And... As I said on Porky's Corner, here's what happens. When you step in that ring, your mindset should be me. It should be, it's me or her, and it's not going to be me. And that was Katie Taylor's mindset, and Chantal Cameron's mindset was, I'm just going to give it back to her. It's easier that way. I wouldn't be surprised if deep down in Chantal Cameron's heart, she didn't want to carry that load. She didn't believe, either she didn't believe she could do it, she didn't believe she deserved to do it, whatever it is, Chantal Cameron was never going to carry that load. And it's sad to say, but until, until those guys come out with the truth, man, that's, that's my theory at the moment. She just didn't want that load. She didn't want what came with dethroning Katie Taylor. But I am going to say something serious here. If, if people are going to be upset at me, and these are the same people who, when I did my first episode with Larry, were passing me on the back and going, mate, spot on. So if that same mind that created that content along with Larry comes and says, everything about Katie Taylor is a red flag to, to drug taking, PEDs. And then I get criticized for that. Her physique, um, 
her voice. Now, whether, whether back in the day she took the wrong compounds, I don't know. And it's a legacy of that. I don't know. But that's someone that's used compounds they shouldn't have used. Because if that's not the case, then her medical history must be, like, radioactive. Because we're all adults. Everyone listening to this is an adult. We walk around the world. We see women every day. And we see women who exercise every day. And amongst those, Katie Taylor's an anomaly. And normally when you're an anomaly, you have to go and see the doctor because they have to investigate. They did it with Casta Semenya. So I'm saying, I'd say one of two things. Either Katie Taylor is, this is just an opinion, either Katie Taylor is cooking with hot sauce and it's just a question of getting caught and maybe that's why she trains in America, no idea. Or if she's not training with hot sauce, she should go through the same test that Casta Semenya did. That's what I'm saying. If that's offensive to people, good. But that's my considered view. Because there's so many red flags around her. But because it's Katie Taylor, she's protected and she has a, a whole nation willing to defend her. Even if she was wrong, they wouldn't care. They'd still defend her. It's their prerogative, but this is an episode that's designed to talk about the sport of boxing and the elements that it contains. You know what? I'm slowly losing my hardcore stripes because I'd forgotten that Ryan Garcia was fighting tonight. I don't know if that's just where I'm at mentally or the fact that he's kind of slipped down the priority list since he, I don't want to say he quit, but since he, he stayed on his knee against Javante Davis and he's got a long way to rebuild. But, you know, Ryan Garcia being Ryan Garcia, you know, you know he's going to talk. And a couple things I want to touch. You know, one thing that's been on my heart is uh, the statements that Bernard made where he'll decide if I'm going to finish or if I should continue boxing after this fight. He don't, he, he don't decide that. My coach does, my team does, everybody that, you know, grinds with me day in and day out. That's who decides and ultimately God decides. It's not him. Nobody was uh, telling him when to stop boxing. You know, he stopped boxing at 45, so kudos to him. You know what, I, I, I put everything into this fight, you know, for the first time, I'm extremely committed in a long time, you know, 2021 was one of the times it kind of broke me, 2022, you know, changed me, 2023, opened my eyes, I'm about to come back, come back for everything, you know, I'm, I'm just lasered and I'm So things don't look great in the world of Ryan Garcia at the moment, like I always worry when fighter and promoter are not aligned especially in fight week like you know if you've got dirty laundry to air man please do it before so i think if we go back to where this all started this all started with the javante davis fight where ryan didn't feel his team were backing him the same way pbc were backing tank um i think people forget that they banned bernard hopkins from from a lot of the fight week events because I think they said he had testosterone cream in his hands and was trying to put it on 
Javante Davis in the hope that he'd fail a drug test. Um, fight week paranoia, I guess. And so, weren't able to do it. Um, I think after the fight, Oscar said that his security told him he couldn't go out to the press conference. It seemed that there were a load of excuses. So, I understand where Ryan's coming from when you, you lose like that. And you need your promoter and your team to protect you and no one protected him. So, in this fight week, he's fired a few shots back. Uh... I think Oscar handled it a bit better than Bernard. Um, Bernard came up with that infamous quote. Uh, what did he say? I've been in boxing 28 years in that ring. And what did he say? At some point, boxing will call your bluff. Which is like a veiled dig at Ryan Garcia saying, mate, you show that you're a quitter. And that puts pressure on Ryan to say, I've got to prove that I'm not a quitter. And look, maybe it's a millennial thing, but no one wants to go through trials and tribulations anymore. I think Ryan's a young man and he should go through these tribulations because you can't have everything your own way. Like, I I have seen year after year, kids come into the gym so full of energy. First bit of adversity they face, they don't come back. But it's almost like they expect to be the best kid in the gym on day one. It's like, well, no, 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 you're going to get your head punched in for a while until you're good enough to then punch people in the head. Boxing is simply a sport of accumulated reps. But we're going to find out this weekend if Ryan Garcia still got it in him or not. Um, you know, I think he's fighting as a Duarte. Not an easy fight, not a hard fight, but a good fight to re-establish who you are. It's just a shame that we don't get a Hara Davis on the bill. But such is life. What else has been happening in boxing? Um, boxing community did an interview with Peter Fury. So Huey's coming back in Feb. Be interesting to see how quickly they move Huey on. Like, uh, I think this is that kind of point where you give Huey a couple of warm-up fights and then you've just got to have him in the wars with everyone. Um, he, he's at that age now where these are your prime years, so he's just got to, got to get it moving. Be interesting to see if he comes back any different than he was before. Um, has he learned anything new, anything different? But, but I don't... Here's something I find interesting about boxing. A lot of people in boxing are quick to criticize social media. And it's fair. Like, if you don't like social media, you don't like social media. I know guys who are just not on it. They don't appear in videos. They've got no Insta, no Twitter. They go as far as WhatsApp and that's it. That's it. Purely behind the scenes people don't want to be involved. I just don't believe you can criticize social media while being on social media. Do you see what I mean? Like, that, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, we, we do, we moan about people being social media whores. But everyone's at it. I mean, everyone's at it. And we live in a world now, it's almost like saying, I don't want to be a televised boxer. You know, I want to be really old school. I want to stick to how it was in the 1700s where you just boxed in a shed and people paid three guineas to watch you. The, the world moves on. Social media is a reality now. Now, is it a net good or a net bad? I'll leave you guys to decide that, but it's a reality. If you're hoping to, to make money, if you're hoping to succeed, if you're hoping to justify your value to the fans, you can't be off social media. So some people, if they've already made their money, don't need social media. But it's going to be very hard for you to make money now without social media because social media is just a shortcut to social proof. And ultimately, we always do business based on social proof. So while I'm a big fan of Peter Fury, I think he's one of those guys in how he conducts himself, everything. He's a, he's a good example of how to be in boxing. 
but that's one thing I do disagree with them on. Like, you can't criticize social media while being on social media. Tonight, there's a card, right? Um, somewhere in Belfast. Uh, probably not right that I speak too much on it because you wonder why that card's happening. Uh, you wonder who's controlling that card. And maybe it's just best to say, good luck to all the guys involved in that. I might talk about it after it happens, but other there'll be other outlets that are willing to, to sing the praises of this card. You know, I always find it interesting to see when there's a show held in Ireland to see who who flies over from the UK because it's it's very indicative of, you know, who spends their summers in Dubai, for example. That's what I'll say on that matter. Listen, guys, if you listen to it this weekend, have a great weekend. If you listen to this early in the week, hope you have a really good week. We're into December now. Get those sales closed. Get those opportunities qualified. Um, get your Christmas shopping done. And get your beers arranged. Um, all that sort of stuff. You know, what am I going to do? Probably have a think about what I do with this for next year. You know, how, how can we... How can we make it more interesting? So, anyone that's got a suggestion, feel free to let me know. I might not, I might use it, I might not use it. Don't take that as offence. Um, because obviously your idea has to align with what I can do, realistically. And also, what I can do from a spiritual perspective. But, yeah, I feel... I'll tell you what I do feel. I feel I've kind of built this into a thing. But... It hasn't really helped anyone, has it? That's what it hasn't done. Like, there's no legacy. If I stop doing this now, there's legacy in the episodes, but there's no legacy in what follows afterwards. Maybe that's what the next avenue is. But, you know, in terms of what that involves, who that involves, no idea yet. And that, that it would be an evolution. Like, I'm not really big on revolution. But we'll evolve over time is kind of where my head is at, at the moment. Because if I keep doing it like this, I'm going to feel a bit like I'm on a hamster wheel and I don't want to do that. And on that note, let me tap out and say, take care, guys, and thank you.